Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Lapco Fitness Podcast. It has been a super long while. Um, I don't know when the last podcast was, probably like a year ago. I don't know. It's been a really long time. Yeah, with me, we have Joshua Niedemann, you know, and uh, we have a lot of catching up to do. We, we, um, so this is a special episode and this is also an episode where I'm going to announce that we're going to do more podcasts. Yeah. Uh, we used to do once a month AMA podcasts, but we're kind of sort of mixing that with every now and then, uh, we'll have podcasts talking about certain subjects. We're yeah. going to have guests on our podcast. I'm not going to tell who first because Joshua doesn't even know, but we're going to have guests and it's going to be a lot of fun sweet and uh cool even going to join some of these podcasts oh awesome so, hell yeah well we're going to have Dude, the, the third co-founder yeah we're going to have cool on there so uh the podcast series is going to be a whole thing so it's going to be super cool i'm excited that's really great yeah and that's good you know it's good to, to get do. more it's good to get more inputs than just from the two of us you know I, I think that it makes things a little more alive and then um yeah, it's it's just more interesting, you know, and I totally. think that that's really important. You don't want to get bored, you know. No, totally. So in this in this episode, what we're going to do is, uh, first off, some catching up. You know, we're going to talk a little bit about what ha- what's happening in the world. You know, COVID. Okay. We're going to talk about training. Yeah. Uh, your life, how your life is going, yeah. what happened to Lepcoat. You know, yeah. in, in this we released an app and everything. And we're going to answer some of your questions uh, if we have enough time. So if we don't, we're going to have a separate AMA uh, podcast Mm -hmm. later. So don't worry. Your questions will be answered at some time. But first, let's get to... uh, Let's let's start with the first subject. Um, I had COVID. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I got pretty pretty damn ill. Yeah. Um, let Let me give a little bit of context of what happened. I started uh, my medicine again, and so I'm doing uh, I'm doing my internal medicines right now in Tilburg, and I'm in I'm in my eighth week right now. And around week four, I got infected with COVID, and you know that shit happens if you know if you're not working in a hospital in a in a city where a lot of people are infected. There's a very high likelihood of that happening, even if you're really protected. Uh, sometimes shit happens, you know, yeah. and you get it. And, uh, you know, one of the tricky things is that what the data shows is that about half of, um, it's not half of hospital workers, but of the hospital workers who get COVID about half of them are asymptomatic. So you really don't, you don't know what your exposures are, you know? Right. Right. Now this is true. And this is, uh, and hospital workers right now, Medscape just had a new article (laughs) That one in six cases, so about 17 point something percent or 18 percent or whatever, is um, our healthcare workers or their families. Really? So, yeah. So when you realize that, like, we're a much smaller percentage of the population than that, that's a significant thing, you know? It, it, it's um, people who work in the hospital are a relatively small, um, I don't know how small on the, I think there's more, there's a, I don't know my numbers on the split between inpatient and outpatient docs, but there's, I believe there's quite a lot more outpatient than inpatient. And, um, the, um, and, and so like in the hospital, you're just, you have more frequent patient contact with people who are sicker and come in with less history, meaning that you don't know as much about them. So, you know, uh, there's, there's a lot more opportunity for things to happen. 
So very, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a higher risk environment than people totally. think. And there's and it's and this will be fun because we'll get into some things. I think at some point during this story, to talk about you know what really helps keep that risk down because there's right, yeah, yeah. That's that's that, a, that, that'll probably that's, probably be in the end of the of the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, anyways, I'm gonna shut up and eat strawberries now. <laughs> you enjoy strawberries. Um, so, yeah, I got COVID and my basically I I I started you know, doing a little cough, like every two, three hours, it would do like, <coughs> that was it. That was, that was my only symptom. And so, you know, I got a little bit suspicious because I noticed one of my coworkers had the same thing, but slightly more frequent. And then on the Friday, this was one day after I realized I was doing this for like two days, I uh, noticed in the morning that my throat was a little bit sore. So I was like, you know what? This, this suffices to the criteria of getting yourself tested. So I uh, got myself tested. Five hours later, or six hours later, uh, I got the results and I was positive, which I did not ex- you know, expect at all because I wasn't showing many symptoms. And then a few hours after that, I started getting a fever and I got, you know, it went really fast. I got really ill and I had to go in bed and I had to stay there because I just... I couldn't get out of my bed. I was so tired. I was so feverish. And um, the next day, I remember, I, I just couldn't get my body warm. You know, I had three, four layers of clothing on and I was still shaking. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had the heat maxed. And I was like, what is going <laughs> on? I'm, I'm dying here. Yeah, and man. I went to the shower and uh, I basically cranked that, cranked the shower up. And I was finally, it was finally working. But I look at my hands and my fingers, you know, my all, everything except my thumbs, they were white, completely white. And it was like a very clear, um, you could clearly see that my palm was red, but my fingers was completely white. It was like, mm-hmm. it, was, it was a very harsh boundary between those two. Rain and I was odds. like, oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> okay. I've never seen this in real life, but now I get to see it on myself. <laughs> yeah, it's trippy. So while, while I was in the shower, I was like, huh. Hmm, okay, whatever. So I just did my shower thing and I got out of shower. And the first thing I did is I took an NSAID and uh, two, three hours later, all my symptoms disappeared. Like I was feeling like the man. And then I was like, wait, that was it? One day? And then a few hours later, I didn't take any NSAIDs after that. I was like, oh, because I heard a lot of stories of people recovering after a day or so. So I I didn't take any NSAIDs after that. And the day after, I was super ill again. Then I took some aspirin. Felt good again, waited again, got very ill again. And so that was sort of my thing. Um, I lost my smell around day nine mm-hmm. and my taste also around day nine, which was really bad because that was the first day I ordered out. I got my favorite. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I got my favorite meal. I got like. Um, Dude, COVID, peri- COVID trolled you really hard. Dude, I got Piri Piri chicken. I get this dish like once every two months, mm-hmm. you know, to. Because I appreciate it so much. So it's like, okay, okay. So I got it. My, my sister-in-law got it to my house and I, I started smelling. I was like, why can't I smell this? This usually t- smells great. And I started eating it. The only thing I could taste was the salt. It's like, wait, but what about the other tastes? So I was eating and eating and I was so confused. So I took some uh, par- perfume and I put it on my like elbows. I was like, I can't smell this. Nothing. It yeah. was so weird, man. 
Yeah, can I, I, I want to stop here for just a second because people wonder how the fuck this works, right? So there's, right. there's something called molecular mimicry. This is an emerging area of research on COVID, but it's an extremely well-known phenomenon in infectious disease in general. And we do know that there are, um, amongst other things, there is molecular mimicry that seems to cause targeting of the uh, olfactory nerve endings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Ba- basically, it's it, it just blocks the um, sensors. And we think that that's actually a, a big part of why there is multi-organ damage in so many people. Because even, okay. even when they don't notice it, like... When they when they, when we went and we actually and I say we it's not like my institution but the data that we have actually shows that uh, somewhere around three out of every ten people who are asymptomatic still show signs of heart damage and it seems to be temporary you know it's kind of like a uh, stress picture rather than a um, it's like no as far as we know anyways you know like long term scarring what do you mean or with uh, what do you mean with heart damage how do they uh, they show EKG abnormalities um, really okay yeah 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 and they show um, that that they did not have before and that's really important to understand like we don't see this with really other illnesses like you don't see stuff like this with the flu so much and things like that um, mm-hmm. they have signs of mild heart inflammation it basically and um, interesting. And it lasts for like a couple of months sometimes. And then for the majority of people, it seems to self-resolve. But there's a couple of college basketball. There's at least one I know that specifically is known to have died very specifically from uh, just heart, like acute heart failure that happened as a result of this, basically. And, um, <coughs> you know, these are young, healthy people. And so, it's, yeah, I mean, I think I think that's one of the most important things to sort of. <laughs> explain is yeah. uh, a lot of people think there's a lot of oh, misinformation I'm not, I'm not, in both directions yeah 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 exactly a lot, i mean you're less likely to get um these complications if you're younger no 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 you're less likely you, to have um you're less likely to notice uh, you're, 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 you're right yeah, yeah. so if you yeah. don't if you're not a smoker and you don't have chronic lung disease of some sort, meaning asthma or asthma. COPD, um, any, any, we're not going to get into like a physiology class on lung disease, no, 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 no. but you know what, I, it, but, but for people who are curious, just look up lung diseases. If you have a lung disease or a disease that affects your lungs, um, and by the way, that can include rheumatoid arthritis, things like that, then, um, or if you're on methotrexate, uh, for like, uh, inflammatory bowel disease, mm-hmm. stuff like that, um, there's there's a very small chance that uh, potentially, you know, this is a theoretical thing. This is very reaching. There's a lot we don't know. So don't stop taking your meds. Just wear your mask, wear, right. your, wear eye protection and wash your hands and you'll be fine. And then we'll, we'll talk more about that in the end. But um, the, there are actually it's a very pervasive thing. You know, people do not understand that um, the inf- there is a significant inflammatory syndrome that lasts for many weeks, av- not like two or three weeks, like eight to 12 weeks after um, infection. And a lot of people don't really notice it, you know, and um, and some people do. Some people just notice mild fatigue for a while. Some people it's more severe. Some people have extreme exercise intolerance uh, that slowly resolves over a couple of mo- months. I mean, that happened to my ex. Um, the... Um, like in, in, cause she's in Sweden and, um, she was just telling me about that a couple of months ago and, you know, she, she doesn't have a positive <clears throat> test because she got sick, you know, before there was really widespread availability and, right. um, you know, and then she was doing better. And what people don't realize is that the antibodies that we develop, 
if you're asymptomatic, like basically if you're not sick enough to really think, oh, I definitely have COVID, then your antibodies really go away after like two, three months. And then even if you're really sick, they typically go away by the six month mark. And even if you're really sick, we have documented evidence now that and we've known this for a while, but it really wasn't paid attention to because there was no high quality evidence. It was just communication within the medical field, but uh, like from provider to provider, basically. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as little as two months after an initial infection, we know you can get sick again from COVID. And we don't know if that is uh, going to make things worse in the long term, you know. So there's, you know, the first thing is like there's a lot of unknowns. And the one thing that we really do know is how not to get sick. And again, we're going to continue teasing with that for a little bit because I want you to pay attention, listen to the rest of what Yad says and understand that, you know, there's (laughs) we really don't know enough to to say a whole lot about a whole lot with COVID. But what we do know, I can put out there. Yeah. Yeah. But something that I think uh, you and I can sort of contribute to is exercising and having had COVID or any, any sort of, you know, uh, disease. I think something, I think that's very interesting. Uh, people who are listening and, uh, have had COVID or having, have COVID now or have a high chance of getting COVID, they probably wonder, Hey, what should I do with my training? Um, should I continue training? Should I, should I stop training and how should I get back to training? I think that's something that you and I could probably, you yeah, know, sort of, absolutely. sort of, uh, help people with, um, the thing what happened to me, I got pretty ill, so I, I just couldn't train uh, for, for a week or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hadn't lost a lot of strength. Uh, and when I say that, I primarily mean short short holds, you know, right. short bursts of, of, of uh, movements. Um, but it, I did notice immediately after having had it that I was more likely to get injured. Sometimes you just feel that. You're like... Ah, uh, my movement patterns aren't the way there aren't. I'm not moving the way I'm supposed to move. Like it's not going as well, even though I I don't feel weaker. I it's not way, moving as well. And surely enough, uh, after like I haven't had an injury for a year, and I don't really consider this an injury, but my shoulder was is not doing as good in planche push up. So I I, st- I stay away from that for now mm-hmm. for a little bit. But movements that did hit me really hard are any, anything above ten reps. Or anything that you hold above twenty seconds, that just dropped immediately for me. That was, uh, uh, for example, I was doing around forty-nine second front levers. Now mm-hmm. I was struggling with thirty. It was like, holy, this like, this is hard. Um, but what about training now? Right now, I'm still I'm still recovering. I know right. it's it's been two weeks since I I got out of quarantine and I I'm not showing any symptoms, but I still have post. Uh, post-COVID fatigue, which right. is a, which is a thing. You know, it, it makes you very tired. I am very tired. Um, I can, but again, it doesn't have any impact on my short burst movements, but my long burst or just having long workouts, I can't do much of what I'm doing. The more you're, can, the more that you depend on your cardiovascular system, the more compromised yes. it's going to be. So, like right. a one rep max, not really going to be affected, but. You know, people don't realize that even a 10 second effort has a significant cardiovascular component. No, yeah, yeah. And, and another thing, a one rep max, sure, you can do that, but you can't do it as much now right. after this. So I well, can't do you like sh- you multiple be doing sets. It anyway. 
Yeah. No, I know. Okay, but let's say you're doing like a one rap 90, 90 or, or 95% oh, one or whatever. Reese. Come here, boy. I haven't seen Reese. Hi. Oh my God, he's walking. Oh, oh, he's every, he's running. He's like, hi, big man. I like your pajamas. He's, he's standing on my leg now. He's like, here, stand. You just want to hang out. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Reese. He got the family forearms. He got, yeah, like, he's so just, thick. Uh... Like, it's crazy. He's just a little brick. Like, there's, there's really like, there's almost no baby fat on him. He's got huge he's quads. He's it's ridiculous. I have not. I, ha, I can honestly say that I have not seen another kid in clinic in these three years so far that that looks like the build that he has. It's very unusual. I mean, has he start, started doing push-ups? <laughs> he did. He saw that video that I put on the. Uh, yeah, 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 I did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Huh? Oh, you want? Oh God, he, he So he sees my protein shake he and sees, he knows. Oh, okay. All right, this is actually just um, kefir, okay? <laughs> you like that, though. He likes yogurt and kefir and stuff like that. So we share. He likes gains. He's like, hmm? Hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you hear that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff, huh? Mm -hmm. Do you have anything? You don't want that. There's hot peppers over there. He's like reaching for my Subway sandwich and... I got like the veggie sandwich with like literally just give me everything you got. So it's got like the sweet peppers and the hot peppers and pickles and like every vegetable there and no sauces, which is what I like personally. I'm not a big. Oh. Yeah, like I like a lot of sauces, but I don't like um, sauces on sandwiches usually. I actually, I'm the same. It's weird. I like, you know, eating uh, finger food with sauces, but I don't like having it in, in sandwiches or some. You want more? Nothing. All done. Yay! He knows done. some. He he knows a lot of sign yes. language stuff. Oh my god! Yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> so <laughs> see the computer mouse. Don't don't go clicking things. You might end up. You might end. You might end up the podcast. Come yeah. On. <laughs> Come on, kid. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. So speaking of. Random yeah, things so, in life. This is this is a big part of life now. Yeah, that's something that happened to Josh. I yes. mean, last podcast <laughs> you also had a you also had Reese, but oh, Reese didn't look like that. He's Reese so, didn't look like that. He's yeah. so mobile now, like it's crazy, you know. And um, he and he figures stuff out really quick, and like all kids do, you know. Like we all say that every parent thinks their kids a freaking genius because like kids are smart. They they're built to just explore and learn. And um, they also have absolutely no common sense whatsoever. <laughs> and like he he was really good about stuff early on, I'd say, for like the first year, 14 months. But now like he's into everything. So, you know, you really have to be careful and like you can you can be lulled into a false sense of security. So I can't, I'm, I'm noticing he's like trying to do things. You're yeah, like, no, nope, no. Nope. Hop down. There you go. <coughs> Explore. You going to go dig in the onion bed? No? Why not? Any ideas? Do you have anything you want to say to the lab code audience? <laughs> he pleads the fifth. 
He does. He pled the fifth. Yeah. For people who don't know, in uh, in the um, I, I forget exact the exact wording of the Fifth Amendment because I'm not like a walking constitutional memory bank, but um, essentially it is protection against it, it allows for protection against self incrimination, and so you do not have to answer a uh, question in court if uh, you you can say I plead the Fifth essentially. And that you you feel like your answer will be used against you in a way that just can't be um, predicted for, and or the um, that's essentially what that means. Yeah, when, right. when, when I plead the fifth, <laughs> right? And so, somebody's going to correct on there again. Like I am not in constitution <laughs> mode. I have to brush up on that before I really talk yeah. about it. So let's not talk. Let's just not talk about it. Well, Josh, so mm-hmm. uh, let's say um, someone just got COVID and uh, he has a question like, hey, Dr. Josh, how, how do I, what do I do on my training? What, what should I do? Uh, not much. What do you tell him? <clears throat> you know, not much. You know, the, uh, the problem is that we don't know anything about um, how your body is reacting to it. You know, you can, and, and, you know, so here's one of the things that people really don't understand. What they don't understand is that if you are a highly trained individual, if you're really fit, then your body can have a lot of damage without you really noticing. So the fact that you don't feel it does not mean that you don't have damage. In fact, people who are really highly fit, like there's a fair number of like marathon runners who have died in the ICU because by the time they feel sick enough to come to the hospital, they've had a huge amount of damage. You have to realize that the things that they do for fun would make most of us, uh, you know, get like rhabdo if we if we tried to do it, you know, in terms of how much they're able to run and for how long, like we would be, we might not have to go to the hospital for it, but I mean, we'd be sore for, you know, over a week, we'd be exhausted, we'd be throwing up and unable to keep up. And that's just on like a training run for them, not even a race pace. So, mm-hmm. and they can do that, you know, five, six days a week, no problem. So their, their cardiovascular fitness is so extraordinarily good that by the time they feel that they have difficulty breathing, they're in serious trouble. That's like a normal person already being in the ICU sometimes. And the um and and that's a real scary thing that's why you have to you know the more fit you are i think that even minor you know signs of illness you really have to pay attention to because if you're one of those people who have uh you just are gonna and there's no way to predict this but some people just get really sick and Mm -hmm. um we don't know why yet and you don't know if it's you You know, most people believe that it's not them and most people are right, but that's just a numbers game. It's not that you actually knew anything because the knowledge Mm -hmm. doesn't exist. So uh, it's a faith. It's basically a faith based. Oh, God, I I just hope that I'm not going to get sick. And, you know, but people don't realize that that's what they're saying. They just think that they're invincible or that, oh, this is just like another flu or something like that. And that's kind of an ignorant statement. You know, it's not the end of the world, but it's 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 it is still potentially really serious. And so you really have to pay attention to how you feel and you really need to limit what you do to what doesn't make you start feeling worse, you know, not just Mm -hmm. in the, not just afterwards, but during, if that means that you can only do three reps of something instead of 10, that's what you do. You know, your goal is just to 
not hurt yourself while your body recovers. I mean, that's basically it. So should you should you do some training then? Uh, I, you know, that while you're ill, on your condition. I don't think so. No, right, um, right. I was about to say after your after your fevers have been gone for a couple of days. Then mm-hmm. I, I think that you're okay to start, but I mean, I would start with just walking and just a couple of like like one or two reps of you know kind of a medium weight for yourself, and um, just really take 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 that time to sort of explore what is okay and keep the volume really low. You should be focused on perhaps not even maintenance volumes, like yeah, you know, just something so that you feel like you're doing something for yourself. It's actually in a way it's more about your mental health than your physical health early on because totally you know when you're real strong people tend to be afraid of losing things they don't understand that that's just it's not going to happen you know so your 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 focus has to be on protecting yourself from your own um overconfidence right yeah yeah so now it doesn't take too long yeah now let's talk about how can we um prevent getting covid like how do we protect ourselves? The One, best way. Yeah, I mean, the best way is to have the mindset that the world is full of snotty five-year-olds. Right. You know, they have no manners. Like, sometimes they do, but sometimes they don't. They're kind of unpredictable. You don't really know who's going to just run up, say hi, and then sneeze in your face. You don't know what they've gotten snot on, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, they're, it, they're just people. So they're, they're little crazy people. Um, that's kind of how you want to look at the world is that you don't know who's done what. So... Wash your hands if you touch stuff that doesn't belong to you before you touch your face. One of the best, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the, the, I think that, you know, the things that protect you are hand hygiene, wearing your mask when you're around people that, you know, don't live with you, and then um, wearing eye protection, whether that's sunglasses or goggles or a face shield, you know. In general public, I think the face shield's a massive overkill. I think that for, um, uh, you know, like in retail now, everybody seems to have these plexiglass shields so that you don't need a face shield behind that. It, it's a right. big one, um, you know, but when you're not, when you don't have a barrier between you and other people, I mean, having something between your eyes and their <clears> mouth <throat> is a good idea. And so here's the reason yeah, but, for that. Yeah. Your eyes, tears start here at the outside corner of your eye. That's where your tear ducts are. That's where the liquid comes from. That's what all the moisture in your eye comes from, you know, on the surface that keeps it from drying out and stuff. And then that drains in this inner corner, that inner canthus, there's a tube that goes back into the back of your throat. So your eyes connected to your throat, which is connected to your lungs. It's connected to your nose and your throat. So it's, it's your eye. If your if somebody coughs and it gets in your eye, then you're going to get COVID. If that cough had COVID in it, it's just the way that it works. And we actually know this from emergency room data in, uh, I believe it was Australia where they compared the infection rates um, in the emergency department before and after mandating uh, face mask usage for all patient encounters, regardless of uh, symptomatology or history. And what they found is that before implementing the, the eye protection and the face shield, and we'll talk about why the face shield's good in the emergency department or in the hospital, but um, protecting the eyes 
took the infection rate from like a 30% chance of getting COVID over, I forget what period the study was, to like 1% or less. And so when you do the math on that, that's like an over 90% reduction in risk. And, you know, like the mask is great. It reduces things a lot because you're not breathing in as many viral particles, but that only covers two of the three entry points to your respiratory tract. And, you know, that's, that's why the eye protection really makes a big difference. And in the hospital, the face shield is good for two reasons. It covers your mask. So even if somebody is coughing and like the droplets are there and whatever, it gets on the shield, but it doesn't really get much on your mask. And we've actually shown this to be true, which is why you, you go into the room, you gown up, you put, you, you know, you have your face shield and everything. And then when you leave, you get your gown off, you ball it up inside out, you pull the gloves off, you throw it off. And then the first thing you do is you wash your hands with soap and water while you're still inside the room. And then you open the door and you step outside and then you like wash your hands again. Again. Typic- yeah. Typically with uh, like a hand sanitizer because that's just what happens to be convenient outside the room. And right. then with your like thumbs, you just pull that face shield off and you hand it to somebody else or you put it down somewhere where nobody's going to touch it so that you can wash your hands. And then typically where, where we're at, you know, you, if, if you wore the face shield, you, you can, um, you can put your, if, if you, well, I'm not going to get into the mask types right now, but anyways, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you want, buddy here. You can have it. I don't know what you want in it, though. I mean, I don't have. And then the um, the um, when you have the uh, uh, masks, that basically protects your mouth and your nose. The eye, your eyes are protected by the shield, and then the shield protects your mask, so that when you're taking the mask off to exchange it, you're mm-hmm. not as likely to contaminate yourself. That's right, really, right. in fact, in asymptomatic rooms, you don't even have to change your mask out. In a symptomatic room, no matter what you're wearing, you always get a new mask. The right, only exception right. to that is like if you have an N95, then we have paper bags that have my name on it. And for that day, I may use that N95, which is only if somebody, the only time you need that in the hospital is if somebody is on a nasal cannula or if uh, they're getting a nebulizer or something like that, because those things aerosolize. Um, the other thing, and this is what people, this is something that in the holiday season, people should know. The other way that things can get aerosolized is by vocal cord vibrations. And the yeah. louder and the longer you speak, the more of that's going on. And really the sustained vibrations with louder, like singing basically is known to be a significant aerosolizing event. And so you don't want to be in, like the super spreader events all happen in clo- enclosed areas where people are, you know, where it's noisy and people are like shouting at each other, like parties and things like that. You tend mm-hmm. to speak louder because more people are talking and that mm-hmm. puts more virus out into the air. It's not something special about the people. It's, it's really more that, you know, there were risk factors that most of us, including myself, really weren't thinking about. And knowing that really makes it a lot easier to not be stupid. You know what I mean? Because well, one thing, yeah. no, that, that's where like knowledge is power. So to kind of sum it up, wash your hands, keep your mouth and your nose and your eyes covered. 
and don't shout or sing near other people and don't be near other people who are doing those things because, you know, if you can help it. And that's right. that's really it. You you don't have to be a hermit. You can be out. You can be outside and like talking and just like chilling and whatever. And, um, you know, the the other thing that people probably wonder is, well, what about the gym? So this, right, that's a big one. This yeah. really depends on what kind of gym you're going to. CrossFit gyms are, I'm sorry to start with CrossFit. CrossFit, if you're offended, I don't know, go get some Kleenex. Um, they're, they're lower budget facilities. And look, I, I think that done with, you know, reasonable programming and exercise selection, CrossFit is a wonderful thing. And it's certainly done more for the fitness of the general public than any single thing probably totally. yeah, 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 yeah. Th- that I know of. I mean, really, honestly, you know, people love it. It's fun. It creates a community. High compliance. Yeah. It's, it's a great sport. It's a, it's amazing. Sport. Yeah. If, because it has community. So That's the thing right. is that it's, it's a place with community where people are working and suffering together. And that bonds people in a way that most people have forgotten about. And, you know, that used to be a part of daily tribal life, but most of us are not living in a tribal community anymore. So it has recreated that. And um, there's good and bad that comes with it. And the good thing is doing things well. The bad thing is that the um, those these gyms are typically in warehouse spaces and they do not have um, ACSM compliant ventilation. In other words, Um, when you have a fitness facility that is, you know, certified for, um, like public use, so to speak, this is, I have to look up the definitions for this, but there are guidelines that you have to follow. So like the YMCA, all the fitness gyms, things like this, if, if somebody gets a heat injury in there, the first thing they're all going to look at is, was the temperature maintained between 69 and 72 degrees um, Fahrenheit at all times? So that takes a lot of ventilation to do, you know, because mm-hmm. it, it, you're expecting that a certain number of people are going to be in that facility, say 100 people at a time or whatever. Well, bodies make heat, you know, and so if, if there's not a lot of air circulation going through there, then that room's going to get filled up and it has to be able to maintain those temperature boundaries really at max capacity that's what the ventilation's built for in those uh, facilities crossfit gyms open the door and have big fans blowing from front from back to front um they're not air conditioned typically because that's really expensive and the way that these bigger gyms make their money is that most of the members don't actually show up most of the time if they did they wouldn't be able to stay open because it's just not enough space for everybody um, you know, you talk about a gym with 200 machines has five, 6,000 members. Imagine if everybody showed up every day. I mean, it's not like people are going to come in at one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock. They're all at work. So they're all going to be there from like, you know, four to eight at night or like, you know, five to eight in the morning, something like that. That's not going to work. So, so, what, so what should we do? What, so the, so what the, do point, those people do? the point is that um, you just have to be aware of how good the ventilation is. In regular gyms, you're totally fine. In the CrossFit gyms, as long as there's like, I, I, you know, I would, we'd have to really, it's hard to give guidelines for that kind of environment because you really have to do some calculations on um, how droplets spread through that environment. As long mm-hmm. as there's a lot of airflow that's really the big thing. As long as there's a lot of airflow, not just inside, but from inside to out, like flushing right. the room with new flushing, air, uh, yeah. then you're, you're probably fine. 
Um, but the exercise environment is inherently more, uh, you know, more risky when people are close together because people are breathing harder. So, um, you know no, what let's I mean? Talk about, like, so, so it's, it's better than caroling. You're, you're definitely more safe than a gym than you are in choir, which may sound weird, but, yeah, uh, yeah. by, by like a lot, probably by an order of magnitude, if I was to guess from, he's like probably 10 times safer at least. So um, let's talk about, let's but talk that's about, really let's it. say wipe the bars before you use them. Yeah. That's, I want to talk about, yeah, I want to talk about that in a structured matter. Let's yeah. say I just get in the gym. Uh-huh. Uh, let's say this is a, uh, commercial gym and I'm about to bench press. What should I do? Like, how should I approach the bench? How, what, what, go through all the steps with me. First, pray to God. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. It's yeah, not going to yeah. help. Um, so the, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just not going to clean the bench for you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, and that's where we start. Clean the bench. Wipe the things how? that you're going to touch with some kind so, of a sanitizing wipe. Um, it has to, the gyms are typically providing these now. Um, they are, yeah. Right. It's, it's kind of a mandated thing because none of them want to get that lawsuit, you know, so it's mm-hmm. cheaper for them to provide these things. And it can be anything. It doesn't have to be some like weird medical purple or red container or something. It can just be like a 10 percent bleach spray. And, you know, you spray it on, you wipe it, you make sure the surface stays moist for ideally at least a minute. Technically, the specs are that, you know, depending on what the chemicals are, it needs to be a certain amount of time. But the biggest mm-hmm. thing is when you get it wet and you wipe it, you're lifting up the things. You're, you're literally wiping whatever virus is there off. And that's the most important thing to understand. It's like when you wash your hands, you're not actually killing very many things, but they're gone. They're not on your hands anymore. If they're alive in the sewer, who gives a shit? You know what I mean? Right. Other things right. in the sewer are going to kill them. They're going to degrade. It doesn't matter. So right. the um, you know the key is, is is the wiping, is the cleansing of the surface, and that's really what matters. So you wipe the surface and you wipe the bar, and honestly, you should wipe the weight plates. The alternative to wiping the weight plates is just using a pair of gloves to load and unload the bar. You know, because then you can just load everything up and then just like mm-hmm. wipe your gloves and then take them off. You know? What about just, why not clean your hands in between sets? You could, but if you're the only person using the bar, why should you do that? You know? Oh, I mean, well, not in between. I mean, like when you get there, you put the plates on and then you clean your hands uh-huh. and then you bench press. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you you, should... and when you take it off, you clean your hands again. What about doing that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's another good option. And so the, um, you know, the, the key is to make sure that you have cleaned your hands before you know, before there's any chance of you touching your face and do not trust yourself. As soon as you have touched anything, once you're done touching shit in the gym, like once you're done loading the bars, just, you know, do a quick hand sanitizing. And you know, the cool side effect of that is that it's, it's actually going to remove oil from your skin. Your grip's going to be better. Like people Bros, don't, you heard it here first. You don't need any chalk. Just clean your no, hands. No, so it's, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I was actually <laughs> yeah. going to talk about there are studies on this. And when you look at hydrated, demoliated skin, meaning that you wash your hands with a soap that has no lotion in it. So all the oils off your hand, the coefficient of friction between your hand and the bar is actually higher than anything you can accomplish with chalk or anything else, oh, basically. Look at that. Yeah. So. They, and it's and actually, the gym owners won't get mad at you. So this is, this yeah, is great. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the, that's the great thing is that, um, you know, and so then you're like, yeah, but what about sweat, bro? There's wrist, wristbands. Tennis players have been using those for fucking decades because they don't want the racket to fly out of their hand. 
Wait, so you don't, do you transpire <laughs> from your poems? Uh, not we, everybody. Some people do. I, I do. Some people do. I do not. Um, yeah, okay. I do a, a lot. That's sort of my thing. I hate it. Yeah, but. and that's cool, though. Like, you know, so, <laughs> so if you do, then, you know, just, like, dry your hands. I mean, it's not that hard. Yeah. Yeah. No, cool. Okay, but that's awesome. Let's mm-hmm. uh, let's talk about something else. We just covered COVID, but a lot more happened in in our lives. Um, well, I, I already mentioned it. I started medicine again. My life yeah. is a lot more busy than it used to be. Yeah. Uh, basically, 40, 45 hours in a hospital, which is not as much as what you had, Josh. But still, no. it's still it's still a lot for me. So it's forty five hours, and then some cell studying, of course, and of yeah, course lab code. People don't understand that work hours is not, does not include learning about your patients. It does not include studying. It does not include logging your patients. It does not include a lot of things that you have to do. It's only your patient time. You're not, you're not done when you're out of the hospital. Right. You're supposed to do more stuff. (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. Presentations, you know, you'll be surprised. Doctors give a lot of presentations, you know? Yes. Yes, they do. So that's that's uh, especially that's, uh, in academic environments. Yes, yes. So you know, my my days are really busy. Training wise, I'm actually I was doing really well. I was surprised that I was actually making still decent gains because uh-huh. uh, I planned around it. You know, I made sure that my weekends are full with workouts, and during the week I had two workout days. Right. So it was basically five well Friday too. So it was. Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. These yeah. were my workout days, and I made it work. You know, um, right, right. But life is busy. You know, I'm not gonna yeah. lie. It is. It's a lot more busy than it's uh, used to be, mm-hmm. and um, that's that's what's going on with my life now. In the meantime, from between this lab, uh, podcast and the the previous one. Uh, LabCode has undergone a lot of changes. We have an app now, uh, which which in between that time I learned programming, wrote the app based on our spreadsheets and our programming and everything. And uh, that's out there. So if you're just a listener and you've never actually went to our website, just go to www.labcofitness.com. Check it out. And if you like it, then, you know, sign up for it. And if you don't, then just keep listening to the podcast because we'll always have this going on. I know yeah. we've been gone for a while, well, but and the app is just is is really not even fully started. Like it's functional and it works and it's good, mm-hmm. but we're on like phase one of like at least fifteen, and you know yeah. these things are, you know, no no developments ever really over, but we haven't even begun to show what's coming. It just yeah, has to be done one a, step at a time. You know, you can only yeah. do things so fast. It takes time to find bugs. And then, you know, the app's not the only thing that we're doing. So, yeah. yeah. And, and because during, I, I, I got a bit too ambitious. I was like, I'm just going to keep working on these apps during, during medicine, and everything. Uh-huh. It will prove to be a bit harder than I thought, uh, especially because, uh, because of COVID, I have to do a lot of catching up to do in these past, mm-hmm. in the coming few weeks. So a bit, bit more busy than, uh, than I have planned, but there's cool stuff coming. There's also a web app variation coming. So if you like working on bigger screens, the app will be available on bigger screens too soon. Great. I won't come up with a date yet, but soon. A lot of stuff is coming basically. Good. Um, and Joshua also had a lot of stuff happened. Uh, you know, Reese, Reese yeah. got bigger. You know, what Reese else is, happened, Josh? Reese, let's see. Reese is getting bigger. Uh, you training I, again? Yeah, I started training a little bit. Um, it's been, I think this is my, I guess, technically end of third week, beginning of fourth week, I guess. I don't know. What are you running? 
Well, what um, kind of program are you running? I don't know that I would even call it a program. I mean, um, I'm doing right now like two days a week. I'm doing push-ups and pull-ups. Um, excuse me. One to two days a week, I'm doing some squats and deadlifts. And um, then I'm doing a little bit of stretching, and that's about it. Okay. I'm stretching, How does that feel? I'm stretching the, one uh, to three times a week, you know. Um, it feels uh, great. How does it? Yeah. And, I, and I just jump roped for three whole minutes uh, hey. on Wednesday, which this is Saturday now. So, um, <laughs> well, like, are, are, are you doing some workouts today? Yeah, today is actually going to be another um, push up and pull up day. Mm hmm. Cool. A lot of times what ends up happening, I call it a day, but really it's kind of like I have, you know, I do pull-ups twice a week. I do push-ups twice a week. I try to do squats once or twice a week and I do the deadlifts once or twice a week-ish. I'm not as worried about the leg stuff, um, you know, and then there's a couple of reasons for that. One is that my biggest focus now is just feeling good. You know, I have like from... 11 to 4.30, the inside of my labrum is peeled away from the bone. And um, I just happen to be lucky that um, one of the weird people that has the the bicep tendon does not need the labrum. It actually attaches directly to the bone above the labrum. Oh, shit. Yeah, I didn't know that until I saw the uh, MRIs. And then I was like, oh, well, that's pretty fucking lucky right there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let's go, dude. I didn't yeah. even know that was a thing. Yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, you know, there's always anatomical variations. There's some yeah, people, right. there's some people actually where um, part of this, uh, part, part of the bicep tendon actually attaches to the um, coracoid process and then comes up to the acromion. Like there's some, there's some weird shit out there. And nobody really knows what a lot of it means because nobody's really built like working mechanical models of it. But mm-hmm. um, there's, there, you know, people, the the most common variations in norm, normal anatomy are only like 40% prevalence. So right, right. people, we're much more different from each other than people think when it comes to like the small things about like how far from, you know, the joint is your muscle attachment? Is your bicep really a bicep? Is there like a few small accessory heads? Who knows? <clears throat> I mean, there's so many, you know, and it just, the list goes on. Like, does your serratus anterior have like one muscle belly or is it technically separated into two? Not everybody's right. the same that way. Um, you know, and it's just a lot. It's not even worth thinking about. It's just worth knowing that there's a reason why you can have a standard protocol for learning how to do something well, but there's really no such thing as a true standard setup form. Like you can't say your feet should always be shoulder and a half width and turned out 15 degrees. That's bullshit. Um, because everybody's hips are very different. Both <clears throat> hips are not always the same, you know. So the more you know, the more you realize that, you know, we want to avoid grinding inside the joint in a joint that's not designed for it. Like the shoulder and the hips are ball sockets. So they can kind of do whatever they want. But, you know, your knees are not designed for rotation. They do have some rotation in there, but it's not something that you really want to emphasize under uh especially under high force in conditions. So, you know, that's, that's how you start. And I can show with the skeleton better over in the gym where, yeah. you know, a small change makes a huge difference in PSI, which makes a huge difference in degeneration in the joint. And, um, you know, what happens once isn't important. What happens three times a week for 20 years is really important. 
So that's kind of the perspective, you know? So there are guidelines to find good exercise form for yourself, but everybody's going to look a bit different from many other people, you know? And that's something that's really important. That's why you shouldn't copy your favorite deadlifter or your favorite squatter or, you know, like Yod when he's doing his uh, planches, you know, you don't know that your hands need to be the same place his does. What you need to do is find out where you're strong and stable. So, so let me ask you a question. One thing yeah. I want to do with these podcasts is sort of uh, keep you uh, on track by. Uh, oh, that's a challenge. Know, I, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially yeah, yeah, when I we're know. off the cuff. <laughs> right. I just, if, I, I just if, wanna... I, if I have a timeline ish, like if I know what we're going to do, then it'll be easier. But well, basically, the, my fir- first question is what are your goals for the coming few months? Like, what are you, uh, you, know, what are you trying to achieve? Who knows? I think that in my position, it's a bad idea to have goals beyond being consistent. Mm-hmm. My only goal is being consistent. I mean, um, that's a good goal, right? Yeah. So we're, 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 so in that's the next really podcast, it. I'm just going to ask you, like, have you mm-hmm. been consistent? Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And if you have, then we'll set a new goal. You know, we'll just keep going like well, that. Well, it's like, you know, you, the, uh, I think that, you know, you have to recognize when you're capable of progression and when you should just see where the progression happens. And, right. you know, a lot of times when we talk about this, we come from a very narrow mindset that's always focused on progress as if there's nothing else going on in life. And, no, no, you're right. And, and, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just, it's just a good perspective to have, you know, like right now, um, I, I would like to build up this, you know, whatever strength I can, but more than anything, I just want to move better. I want to get rid of some of the tension in my back. Um, mm-hmm. you know, sitting at screens and stuff has made me do some weird things and, um, the, you know, I'm just unlearning a lot of that and it's feeling really good, but, um, I'm, I'm pretty limited. I'm not trying to push anything too far. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm just doing the things that don't cause any problems. I'm keeping it real simple. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, um, I actually did a roadcast on this a couple of days ago. I haven't uploaded, I haven't uploaded, I've got them on my hard drives, but they're not uploaded to the Dropbox yet. And, um, one of the things that I was talking about is like, you know, I've had a seven year layoff. Basically I haven't had any serious training in seven years. I haven't trained at all in like at least four years. And, uh, so I've lost more strength than most people have gained. And, um, and I don't say that to brag. I'm saying that like, it's something I have to realize, you know, and the, and the, and you can get tricked. Like I feel pretty good. You know, I feel a lot better than I did three weeks ago. And, but I'm not that much stronger, you know, it's still, I've only been doing it for three weeks. I can be really fooled by how I'm feeling and do too much, you know? So I take it real slow. I actually follow the same advice we give everybody else. I have a certain amount of things that I'm doing. I'm doing two sets, uh, you know, right now in my workouts, when I feel like it's good to do three sets, I'll do three sets. But the, the, the goal here is to never do more than the plan calls for, but always be Mm -hmm. allowed to do less. And so technically I'm at a point where I would say it's okay to do three sets for sure. But it's only okay if there's no reason not to. And, you know, for most people who are young and healthy and don't have any issues, um, you should just scale that work up and it'll be fine. But for me, I do have issues. I have, you know, a shoulder that I'm looking out for. I haven't worked out in a long time. I'm, um, you know, I find that because I'm under a lot of stress and uh, I don't always get to eat as much as I want, Mm -hmm. um, the... Uh, you know, my recovery is not perfect and I definitely have some sleep apnea and, you know, that also impacts, uh, recovery. 
And I think that there are just a lot of uh, small things that I'm aware of now. And I'm older. I'm going to be 39 in a month, you know. So just intrinsically. You are. Yeah. You are, yeah. I'm getting yeah, old, yeah, dude. I'm 40 in a year. Are you kidding me? Fuck so, me, man. Shit. <laughs> yeah, I don't feel it, but uh, which is nice. Which but, is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But and, and so, you know, I'm I'm no longer – what I know now is at 39 – I knew this younger, but younger, I wasn't old yet. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know that I'm in a place where I'm not going to conquer the world anymore, you know, and I didn't come close to achieving my, you know, peak potential and who gives a shit like that's that I don't have a time machine. I don't have a brain transplant machine. Mm-hmm. Like it's not going to work. So, you know, thinking about what I used to do is worthless and all it can do is bring me down and make me make mm-hmm. mistakes. And so really now I'm just taking it from the beginning and saying, all right, how would I do things if I was starting from scratch as a kid and, um, you know, just adapting some of the, uh, scaling speed to my age, you know? So I'm just starting off with the basics and really, you know, going to like, you know, typically one rep in reserve because I'm not doing a lot of volume. When you do low volume, you have to get closer to failure. And, um, on my last, on my second set, I often do go to uh, positive failure on the pushups, not on the pull-ups on the mm-hmm. pull-ups. I go until I feel like there's a lot of eccentric stress and I, I can just tell when it's enough, you know, I can tell when like, okay, well, if I do another one, I'm probably gonna run, start running a risk of pulling something. <clears throat> and I know that I did plenty. I'm still at like, you know, one rep in reserve, but there's no point in me going to failure on this. Um, I'm not ready for that yet. At some point, maybe I will be, but right now I'm not. And so I've seen really good results with that. And, um, the, you know, the other thing is like, you know, when, when we start looking at my results, one, I've always responded to exercise faster than other people Two, you know, this is what I look like without any, you know, I, it's, you know, this is baseline. Like uh, for the, for this the is people not normal. Who, uh, there, there, yeah. there are people who work out for years and have not built that kind of muscle. For the you people know, who are just listening and not watching, what we just witnessed was uh, uh, probably a hundred inch bicep. So. <laughs> no, man, they're not even seventeen anymore. They're not know. even seventeen. No not even. I don't, I don't. I don't think so. Seventeen is still huge, my friend. They're small, but like, no, I, and that's the thing is that this is this is severe atrophy for me. And, you know, and you can even see how, like, even now, like I'm just showing in the video, like, you know, I yeah, have pretty visible, uh, Terry, like, um, pronator Terry's and things like that. And these are like, you know, a quarter of the size that they were. I mean, my forearms. Can you do used, me a favor? Yeah. Um, next, next time we do a podcast, make sure you have measured your arms before we start. Sure. And then, and then in a year we'll do that again. And we'll probably I know, see I like, know what my, I know that my chest measurement is like 46 inches and it used to be 52. Um, and what about your max arm? Uh, my max was- arms ever was 18 and a half. That's when I was curling 205 pounds at 205 pounds. Yeah, I was so curling my body weight on a straight uh, on a straight bar. Dude, uh, yeah. uh, audience members, that's 47 centimeters for our European <laughs> uh, people. That's that's bigger than uh, Sebastian. They, no, 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 it's, it's not. not. No, he's, no, he's no. Sebastian's got like 20 no, no, inch no. arms. No, wait, wait. He he's has, huge. Yeah, but he he's also 15. six foot eight, you know, Wait, like he's actually yeah, a giant. He has 20 and a half, something like that. Yeah, he's he's Inch, he's so yeah. big, it doesn't even make sense. Right. Um. So 
<clears throat> let's let's cover some questions from the uh, audience members. You yeah. know, let's. Uh, I, th- I think this is a nice uh, uh, format where we just do some talking first, and then when we have time, cover some questions. Mm-hmm. So this question is by Edward Edward Kasperson, I think. Okay. Uh, and his question is regarding handsome push-ups. How mm-hmm. to optimize your training for handsome push-ups other than doing yard leans, yard holds, and pike push-ups? What can I do to get my strength up? Are pike push-ups sufficient? What lifts carry over the best to handsome push-ups? I feel like the high incline bench press would carry mm-hmm. out, carry over better than a straight overhead press because of the angle of pressing. Thank you, guys. I think that last point is definitely interesting because the angle is different <laughs> in a handsome push-up. Um, because yeah. if you look at a handsome push-up, it's basically an incline bench press, and then you switch at the last range of motion, you switch to like an overhead press. Exactly, uh, exactly. Right. So really, um, most most people are going to need the most work in the bottom half of the handstand push-up. Um, so, you know, the, the like the headstand push-up is really mm-hmm. the top half of the movement. And... Right. The, um, and really, you know, and we can break it apart and it's going to be easier to see on video, but the, um, the, the thing to understand here is that what most people have problems with. And and so there's a reason that when I look at free weights, if I, if somebody was saying, you know what, I really just want to do body weight stuff, but I'm willing to do one upper body weight lift, I would have them do incline bench. And it's an easy choice. There's no question. That's my one choice. And the reason is that. The, the force angles are really, so if you look at what your arms are doing, so I'm sitting here sideways, if you're doing a bench press, it looks like a planche, but it's really not because, it, and it's kind of similar, but like with the bench, you know, and I'm instinctively doing like a planche form now. So like, no, yeah, yeah, you're, like you're that. doing, I was like, how do you so bench, funny. bro? <laughs> like a moron, <laughs> <Yeah>. apparently. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> Here's the deal, right? So when you're, when you're benching and, and you're here and you're pressing up, Right. This is not what's happening in uh, planche at all. No. Nope. And that does not make bench a bad exercise. It's actually an essential exercise for somebody who has like, uh, you know, goals of being a uh, ring strength specialist. Like it's the reason that almost all of them use the bench these days. Mm-hmm. And it's a reason that their performances are so much better than they were 20 years ago in terms of strength. So the, um, but I do think they would actually be better off doing incline bench than flat bench. Um, and the reason for that is that when you look at the force vectors, when you set up for an incline bench, and I'm just going to kind of manipulate myself a little here. So when I'm back, mm-hmm. and this is a little bit of a high incline, but, you know, if I'm, if I'm, because this is about a, you know, right here is about a 45. When I'm here fall. and I push up, now if I, oh, I lost my headphones, but if I stand up, <laughs> see now, all of a sudden, and you, know, you have to realize that if I'm here doing this, that my arms are actually coming down very similarly to where they're at in a uh, pseudo planche pushup, or in a. Because um, then if I if I if I keep my arms here and I just bring my back more like everybody does, now all of a sudden what I'm really doing is pushing here. Now that's the weakest part in a 90 degree pushup, but at the upper arm it's actually much a more similar alignment to what you're doing in kind of like a wide. Um, it's kind of like the middle portion of a pelican, and it's also very similar to kind of that Maltese positioning. Whereas in bench, when you're here, this is not really what you do in a Maltese, and it's really not what you're doing in a planche so much. So is it perfect? No, but it, it hits musculature that flat bench really doesn't hit. 
and as much, you know? So that's, that's really where, um, and the other thing is that what I have found personally is that the shoulder blades tend to move more during the incline bench and it's easier right. for them to move. And that's another thing that's much more similar to a um, planched push-up. But the big thing here is that the incline covers a fair portion of the strength that you need for planche, for Maltese, and for 90-degree push-ups. And it's one exercise. And it takes a long time to be able to do, you know, like high straddle planche push-ups for reps. Mm -hmm. You can get there eventually. And I think that when you get there then, you know, maybe you can abandon the incline bench altogether for your strength cycles. Certainly for mass cycles, it's, it's still something that's going to be of use for you. But, um, you know, there, there are definitely, what do you mean with a uh, high shroud planche? Yeah. So I like mean, a high like, angle shroud planche. Yeah. 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 Where yeah, okay, your back sorry. is at a 45 degree angle and it stays right. that way. You don't lift right. up and you don't lift down. You just stay like this I've and never you just done that. lift up. Yeah. I had a friend who used to do stuff like that. And, um, yeah, yeah, and it's 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 just like an incline bench. It's a, it's ju it's exactly like an incline bench. But doesn't your uh, face hit the ground before? Not if you're on parallettes. Yeah, parallettes. That will work. But even yeah. then, it's like it's it's basically like a, a headstand push-up. So you know, if I if I get into the plane of the camera here, and I'm and, and say like you know I'm here and I'm coming down and I'm, I'm doing my push-ups here, then by the time you're look at look at the position I'm at where my my hands are still in front of my face here. Okay, so. Mm -hmm. Look at the angles here. My elbows, my, my arms are like almost all the way back. They're not all the way back, but it's a pretty full range of motion. So it's mm -hmm. very, it's, it's really very different than, um, it's much closer to a full range of motion, even on the ground than a headstand pushup is. You're not losing as much. You're losing a little bit, but it's, you know, it's not that bad. And it's something you can do anywhere. Um, if you know how, you know, if you're strong enough and if you have the balance for it. So, you know, that's really for like the yod pushups, you know, the leaning pike pushups, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Those, those are kind of like that. It's a little different because your body is moving off angle. You're pushing back. It's very difficult no, not to do that. Those are more specific to handsome pushups. Uh, right, right. And this is, this is for like, you know, I think that at some point it'll help to sort of make a, um, like a, uh, kind of a focus series on handstand pushups to kind of understand what's good. So for the weightlifting, you know, I think that I, I think that I would use the weightlifting as supplementary volume if you're really interested in primarily learning the handstand pushups. And right. so the first exercises that I would do, and you don't even have to do these in the same cycles, you know, you have to realize that you're building a base of strength. And so if you find that you are, it's hard to do headstand pushups with uh, stomach to wall because that's going to be the best variation for you to use for basic strength is staying stomach to wall, having your hands maybe like, you know, a foot out from the, uh, from the wall and really getting down. It gets you a little bit more of an angle and it's a little bit more similar to the exercise that I'm describing, but you got to be pretty strong to do that. Um, so that's where you may want to do eccentrics there. And then, you know, so what I used to have people do is I would have them get in a corner. So instead of a stomach to wall, it's stomach to corner because you can straddle your legs out. So right. that, you, okay, you that can, makes sense. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? And this will make more sense on video for people who are not as good at turning words into images in your head. That's, that's cool. We'll, we'll, we'll help you out. Yeah. But when you, when you get into a straddle handstand, so get into a handstand in a corner, you're leaning back. If you spread your feet out, you can get perfectly vertical, right? Which is really important to remember. 
it's the same position as and so you can control the lean of your handstand with perfect balance that way. And it's a great, great, great tool that uh, I honestly haven't ever seen anybody use. I just came up with it because I was troubleshooting with somebody back in the day. And um, so that was... I was about to say because one I there's a reason why I don't like uh, stomach to wall handstand pushups is because a lot of people uh, don't have the proper proprioception you know right. in that movement and they start arching because their their leg the feet are in a way or they can't pike properly and well, so but, but you but you solve that problem with with the corner thing sometimes Basically, yeah but you yeah. Know, here, here's the other problem that you solve how do you come down. You know, if, in, if you're, if you're an inch, well, you can't move, you're, you can't phase through the wall, right? right is, yeah. But if you're in the corner and you just spread your feet, if you just straddle your legs out, you can get far enough out to where right. you can actually just come down into a kneeling position easily. You mm-hmm. know, you can slide down through the corner and then you're fine. So it's a good one, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's one of my favorites. It's not something that I've really talked about. But um, that's like a practical solution to be able because then what you can do is you can take your parallettes and you can basically do kind of like a foot assisted like negative for the headstand push up all the way down into like a 90 degree push up basically at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Once, you, once your head hits the ground, you can just sort of move into that low planche position, right? That bent arm planche. And now you're on the ground again and you take a rest and then you get up and you do it again and you just, you know, you do them until you're done. Um, you can, you can, you know, you're able to walk up the wall pretty easily that way because you're in a, um, you're far enough out to where you can just walk up the corner and then you just slowly, like, instead of walking up like this, you walk out with your feet so that, that, that's what brings you the rest of the way vertical. And then you come down and then you just bring your feet together and it'll automatically pull you into that form. And then Mm -hmm. you just bend your legs for the rest of the way down. And, um, it's a, it's a really, really kick-ass exercise that, um, you know, I think there's a lot of things that really just, you know, because I've been so busy, we haven't had time to teach and to, uh, to use. And, um, these are, everybody has a corner, you know, and that, that's the beautiful thing is that we want to focus on things everybody has, because that's, that's really where we're going to have a lot of success in my opinion. Yeah. Well, um, I actually have to go in a bit. I think we covered a bunch of stuff. The cool thing is, guys, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to have a bunch more podcasts more frequently. Yeah. And uh, we'll even have focus series where we focus on certain things. Uh, yeah. We'll discuss that later uh, in detail. But just you know, keep, keep an eye on our podcasts. And um, Josh, thanks yep. a bunch. It was great you know, talking again. Yeah, man. Uh, we, we covered a lot of grounds. Uh, and... Uh, do you have anything to say as a as a last message? <laughs> oh man, I'm so bad at that. You know, I'm what? also bad at this, man. Shit. <laughs> Look, I, I lost my touch. <laughs> <laughs> tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. Uh, can't guarantee that we're going to make all the changes that you want to see, but we do want to hear from you so that right. we can, you know, take all of your opinions into account as we continue moving forward. Um, the you know. It's very hard to do an unplanned thing where we don't know what we're going to talk about and then give a really concise, coherent answer to Mm -hmm. certain questions like, what can I do for my handstand? Like, I don't really know what this person's doing. I haven't seen their form. There's so many questions. But as far as the approach, you know, I think on, you know, I would be starting off with basically... Uh, you know, if I'm in a mass cycle, I wouldn't really worry about negatives. If I'm in a strength cycle, I would be doing some negatives 
And then I would, you know what I mean? Like I would start off with the, maybe two sets of like the best full ROM, uh, that I could use, whether that's like the headstand push up or like using, you know, building up stacks of, you know, plates or whatever you can do that's safe and won't slip out adjustable mm-hmm. parallettes. There's a lot of options, but, you know, starting to add depth. So we get that range of motion. And then I think that, you know, if that's just an, if that's an issue, then really that's where free weights are your friend and doing some uh, high incline bench like on a 45 degree and then doing a, um, uh, you know, and like even like a 30 degree incline is really nice. I wouldn't if you want the best carryover to a lot of different things, just focus on like the 30 degree incline bench and then Arnold press for overhead. Because those two things are going to really cover most of there's there's very there's minimal gap left there, and um, that covers like the two ranges of motion that are the <clears> most <throat> difficult. Uh, you know, because your pseudo planche pushups are going to cover the horizontal part. So if we do that, then you know, and then we have like you know a 30 ish, 45 ish, whatever degree incline. We we'll probably have to ask people what they think. Um, I don't know that my shoulder is really in a position for me to be able to experiment with that, but I'll use an empty bar and see what I think. Um, you know, but the basically covering the bottom third of the strength for the full, um, headstand up, And that's where I really think that like the, the 45 degree is probably more specific to the handstand pushups for general strength. I'd go with like a 20 to 30 degree. Um, and then do the Arnold press in, in, in both cases, because it's going to fill the gaps in either way. But if you have more of a focus on the, um, handstand pushup, I think that being a little more specific with your choices is a good idea. So my final option at this point in time, you know, would be that, you know, you do like during the mass cycle, you do whatever you can do, you know, for maybe like two sets with the body weight option. And then you use the free weights for maybe like, you know, two or three more sets. And, um, I wouldn't try to do shoulder press and incline on the same day, honestly, certainly not the same volume. You know, I would pick one day that's more vertical and one day that's more horizontal. The incline would be considered more horizontal and that way you're not overworking everything, you know, and, um, make sure that you're not getting tired from week to week. You know, you don't want to be getting wrecked and that's about it. You know, um, well, you know, a lot, of, a lot, yeah, a lot of people want plug and play solutions, and the process is plug and play. Recognizing where you're weakest and working on those weak points while continuing to focus on your strength is the process that all success comes from. You know, you cannot make your weak points into your strength if you have natural weak points. Um, what you can do is build them up to the point where they no longer get in the way. And that's the right mindset to have. The other is just fighting against your nature. And that's stupid. It doesn't teach you anything except how to waste your own time. So, you know, you know, the, like everybody is good at different things. And if you want to, you know, you shouldn't expect that if you're inherently bad at squats, that you're one day going to set a world record. I'm not saying that you won't, you might, but I think that you really just ought to focus on making some improvements. And if you're really freaking good at deadlifts and bench, guess what? You're wasting your training time as a power lifter if you're trying to make all your gains in the squats until everything else is slowed down. There might be a point where you need to do that more, but that gets into strategic lifting later in a training uh, 
lifetime, so to speak, you know, when, when you've been more accomplished, same thing with calisthenics, set your goals, see what you're good at, see what you can accomplish, have one goal that speaks to your strengths so that you're always making good progress and you feel good about yourself. And then if another goal is more of a weak point, that's fine too. You just don't want to only focus on weak points because then you're always going to be frustrated and it's not good for you. All right, guys, you heard it from Joshua. Um, Remember, you can always send your questions in in the website if you're a member. And uh, if you're interested in our app, just go to www.lepcofitness.com and uh, you'll see plenty more podcasts coming soon. Joshua, I want to thank you for this episode. And uh, I'll I'll see you around, man. More episodes coming. Yes, sir. Glad we had the time and I will see you all soon. Everybody have a great day. Work out hard, but not too hard. Use the app. Keep things under control. We'll be in touch. Until next time. All right, guys. Till next time. Bye.